Hello and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. My name's Kate Toon. I'm a copywriter and the founder of the Clever Copywriting School and the Recipe for SEO Success eCourse. And as always, my co-host today is Belinda Weaver. <laughs> I'm, yes, I'm always here. I'm also a copywriter and I'm the founder of Copyright Matters and the Copywriting Masterclass course. So today we're going to talk about subcontracting and for those who don't know what this is, it's when a copywriter or agency uses someone else to write the copy. Generally they pass out the work and pay the writer a percentage of the overall fee and it's something both Belinda and I get asked about a lot as often when your copywriting business goes big it can seem like a great way to earn more money without actually having to write any copy but subcontracting can be problematic and today Belinda and I are going to share with you our experience and tips. So before we begin let's do what we always do now which is asking a getting to know you question and Belinda my question today is what gross snack do you love that everyone else hates? (laughs) This is this really tickled my fancy because I actually have a few. Vegemite is a staple grossness. I actually introduced Vegemite to an American here and she was disgusted but polite. So there's Vegemite, <laughs> Vegemite on anything, but I also love pickled and smoked things. So pickled onions, smoked fish, anything pickled or smoked, I am into it. And as you can imagine, my husband loves it when I eat that stuff. Oh my God, that, that's so most, some of my listeners might not know what Vegemite is and it's actually a yeast extract of some description and in England it's called Marmite and it is a super acquired taste. I'm a big fan of Marmite. I don't like Vegemite, so there you go. Yeah, they are, they are different. I put them in, like they're, they they're similar different. but different. I think you're right, you're, you're either in one camp or the other. I think you are and there's this weird... Icelandic, I think it might be Icelandic, pickled fish that's also rotten that yeah. you might like. Have you tried it? Um, I've been offered it, I've had it offered it to me, but the problem with that is its smell. The yeah. smell is so disgusting like that, that you can't keep apparently. your lunch down. Yeah, and I'm not, yeah. I'm not interested in the smell. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, did you know, little known fact, my husband has no sense of taste or smell. What? What? Yeah, totally. But obviously he has a great sense of humour or he wouldn't have married me. <laughs> boom. Anyway, boom. My um, grace food isn't actually grace. It's actually the best food ever invented. And it's frazzles, which are a crisp product, a chip product, as you crazy Australians would say, from the UK that are heaven. And I get my mum to post them to me in aid packages every month um, because I love them and I miss them very much. Anyway. That is a little aside, but you didn't come on the show to hear about pickled fish and frazzles. You want to know about subcontracting. So let's get started. Um, so we, when we talk about subcontracting, as we said, it's when either you work for another copywriter or you actually employ another copywriter to work for you. And what can often happen is when you're inundated with work, which is obviously a lovely problem to have, hiring sub contracting copywriters is one option that you might want to consider but it's super important to fully understand the pros and cons before you take the risk so as we said in this episode Belinda and I will run you run I can't speak will run you through subcontracting from the position of both 
the subcontractor and the subcontractee. That's so confusing. Uh, and explain some common pitfalls. So let's start with subcontractors. And by this, I mean, and this is why it's a bit confusing, those who give out the jobs. Yeah, are you still with me, Belinda? I think so. I think so. We might have to keep reconfirming what we're talking about during <laughs> exactly. this episode. So this is the giver of the copy job, the giver, the giver. Um, and let's go through some positives, yeah? And there are lots of positives, and we're going to flip-flop between Belinda and I telling you these positives. So the first one is increased productivity. Obviously, if you're not writing every word, you can increase productivity and take on more jobs because what you actually end up becoming is more of like a gatekeeper, more of an approver. You're, you know, you're shunting work from the, the person who's working for you back to you, to the client. You're making corrections and edits, but you're not actually writing. So it can increase productivity. And we'll talk about this when we talk about the cons, but whether it actually does increase productivity yeah. is debatable. Um, well, let's increase productivity. I'm doing the air fingers, okay? I'm doing the little finger quotes. Yes. Because, yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> so the other thing you can do if you're handy, if you're hiring other copywriters to write the copy for you, is you can attract different skill sets. So if you don't have expertise in a particular area, maybe working with a subcontractor can help fill out that skill set. You know, maybe you don't have any experience writing press releases, but you'd like to offer it as a service or you get asked for it. You could hire a subcontractor to actually help with that kind of project. So that can be another great reason to hire other people. Yeah. And again, there's cons to that as well, but we'll talk about those later on. <laughs> the next I think is flexibility. So if you hire a subcontractor, it's way more easier than hiring a permanent employee. So, you know, maybe you're, you've got a, your business is growing, you're getting a lot of leads and you're thinking, well, maybe I should hire a junior copywriter uh, as a full-time employee. But as you no doubt know that when you actually have an employee, other things come into play like their tax, sick leave, benefits, because, you know, and that will vary from country to country. But in Australia, uh, where we both are, there, you know, there's a lot of rules around that around workers comp and insurance and tax and superannuation and bleh. um so a contractor is almost better because they're self-employed in their own right it's their responsibility to pay their tax and do all of that stuff it's not your responsibility um, but as always we will say you need to check with your accountant where that line is drawn for example if a subcontractor works for you for more than a certain amount of hours a month they might actually be deemed an employee and it's a good idea to check uh, there's a tool that we can include in the show notes that somebody recommended Sam Howard I think her name was thank you very much uh, where you can check the difference between whether someone is an employee or, or a contractor it's not so black and white as you might think in Australia so it's a good idea to check yeah absolutely you don't want to have that come and bite you in the bum no bum biting thank you very much mm. and so you know that all sounds pretty awesome we've got productivity we've got more skill sets we've got flexibility and of course obviously if you're not doing the writing yourself you can hire lots of subcontractors and they'll make loads of money buckets oh, of money just oh. buckets of it yeah or do you or do you so now we're going to get to those downsides and i want to jump straight in with communication breakdowns oh my gosh so when you're the go-between between the client and the writer you're effectively the account manager you need to field the questions you need to take the brief you need to check progress with the writer you know you're still doing corrections you need to make sure everyone's on the same page and 
you might think that you're saving lots of time because you're not doing the writing, but that actually takes a lot of time unless you have some really good systems in place. And I'll even say that even when you have really good systems in place, it's very time consuming. So being the communication manager and managing potential communication breakdowns, definitely a downside of hiring subcontractors. Yes, I, I 100% agree. And, and after this session, Belinda and I are going to share our own experiences of doing this. Um, so we'll talk a bit more about, you know, the downsides there yeah. as well. Um, so another um, downside, another negative or con is the degree of upskilling you need to do. So obviously the key to making money when employing someone as a subcontractor is that you get a copywriter who has a significantly lower rate than you. We'll talk more about rates and margins at the end of the show yeah and we'll give you our recommendations on how much you should be adding on top of the copywriter rate but listen so I guess the idea here is you know if you're charging $100 an hour then ideally you want a subcontractor that's only charging $40 an hour uh, because the closer they are to your rate the less money you're going to make I'm sure that makes perfect sense but I just thought I'd really over explain it um but then again, there's a con to that. So you find this great copywriter who only charges $20 an hour. Whoopie doop, you're gonna make so much money. But clearly the lower the rate a copywriter charges, then it's likely that the less skilled the writer is. Um, and you know, you've gotta therefore not only consider that time you need to be the gatekeeper and pass stuff back and forth, but also you're gonna to have to train them how to write copy and you're also going to have to train them whoever they are and even if they're brilliant you're going to have to train them to write the way you write so like if Belinda was stupid enough to agree to be a subcontractor to me or vice versa we write differently we do things differently and I'm going to have to adopt her way because I'm working for her and getting someone to write the way you want them to write so tough really really tough yeah absolutely absolutely and you know, even if they're totally on board with with coming around to the the way you do things it's just it's time consuming yes and the next downside we don't want to be negative nellies here but you really have to understand the the flip sides of this making buckets of money proposition that you might have thought of and that's quality checking and so even if you openly acknowledge to the client that you're subcontracting the work out and they're cool with that, you're still responsible for the quality because the client has come to you, you are the account manager, you are responsible for everything. And it can just take a while to build up trust with the person you're subcontracting out, worked out to. Oh, that was a bit confusing. Um, and even if they write really closely to what your style is, you have to check it again the brief, you have to make sure that it's proofread, all these kind of things to make sure that the quality is still high. And like I said for the previous point, it takes time. It does. And, you know, again, we'll talk about our experiences in a moment. What When I try to cut corners there is when it's all gone horribly wrong. Um, so we talked about processes. And as you know, I think we should have like a, a drinking game. But every time Belinda and I say processes, you're allowed to take a sip of your cappuccino. <laughs> 
uh, or your wine or whatever. But um, we love processes. And, you know, if you have great processes, it does make life easier. But the truth is as well, processes can slow you down sometimes. Um, it's much harder to cut corners when you're using a subcontractor. So, you know, you'll need to map out a detailed timeline that allows you to review content. You'll need to manage delays from the client, write clear briefs. And if the subcontractor is late, well, you have to manage that. So what I mean by that is, you know that although we have great processes, sometimes we skip them. You know, maybe we don't do that full brief. We just have a quick call with the client. And maybe, you know, we do a little bit of amends and shoot it back. And we can be a bit more free and easy because we're writing it. But when you have another person to consider, you can't just sort of suddenly flick them the copy deck and say, I need the amends by tomorrow because they might not be ready. So you've got another, you're not just considering the client's timeline. You've got to consider this other human as well. Yeah. And which is just good manners really as well as being professional. Yes, totally. And then jumping across into financial stuff, well, but you know, especially for Australian copywriters, if they're not registered for GST, you might still have to pay GST because you're charging the client GST. Um, so you still have to factor that into your cash flow, into your quote, into your tax, and things like that. So you have to be really clear about who's charging GST, what GST you're collecting and all that kind of stuff. And it's, there's just another body in that financial relationship that you have to make sure you're very clear on your understanding. Yes, exactly. And, you know, along with finances, another really tedious thing, which honestly, even saying the word makes me yawn a little bit, insurance. Um, you're definitely going to need to get some kind of professional indemnity insurance to cover you if something goes wrong. Um, and the reason why I think it's even more important to do that if you have subcontractors is you're not in control of every bit of the situation. You know, it's not just you who's involved here, it's somebody else. And um, so look, Ultimately, when it comes to cons and pros, it's really important to get everything ironed out and agreed with your copywriter before you start working. Um, you need to cover all angles. You really need to consider every consideration. So we've talked about GST, we've talked about insurance, timelines, planning, but also what happens if they get sick and they can't deliver it? What happens if you get sick and they're waiting for stuff for you? What happens if they just walk away, which happens, you know, they just say, I don't want to do it, but you're halfway through and you've committed to the client. What happens, and this is the worst one, if the client just hates what they produced? Uh, so yeah, it's it's tough. Um, and I have um, a subcontracting agreement on the Clever Copywriting School, which I'll include in the show notes that covers off a lot of these eventualities. So, you know, it says, if you're sick, this is what we'll do. This is how you get paid. This is what happens if you charge GST. But no agreement, you know, there's still humanity in there. You can sign all the documentation you want, but if someone really does get sick, you know, how do you, are you really going to enforce that agreement? It's just tricky, isn't it? It's yeah. Just a bit tricky. Yeah, that's exactly right. You've got, I mean, the point you made earlier, Kate, is you've got, when, when it's on, when you're on your own, you can roll with it a lot more easily, but when you've got other bodies in the picture, you just have to be, um, you have to think things through in a lot more detail. Yes, I think that's it. And I think, you know, I think we're going to talk about our experience now. But one thing before we get into that is, you know, really have to consider, is this who you want to be? Because what you're doing is you're actually moving away from being a copywriter 
to being a project manager, you know, or at least some portion of your time. You know, you're you're not writing, you're editing, you're managing timelines, you're managing budgets, uh, you're managing accounts, you're like an account manager. So is that who you want to be? Is that what you want to spend your time doing? Some people, yes, that will be it. But some people, you know, like I did, kind of go, hey, the whole reason I started my copywriting business was that I didn't want to do this stuff anymore. So how did I find myself doing it? What was your experience of subcontracting? Um, pretty pretty much what you summed up there, Kate, because <laughs> I, well, I had this idea that if I was to be successful in air quotes and my business was going to grow in air quotes, then I needed to start building a team. I needed to become like an agency myself. I just thought that's what the natural step was. And at one point, I had a team of about six writers. And the biggest surprise to me was that I didn't have any time to write at all. I really enjoyed writing, but I didn't have any time to it because I was being a project manager. I was being an account manager. I was managing the communications. I was actually editing and rewriting a lot of copy, even though the subcontractors that I had were quite good, there was still tweaks to be made. And in some cases, it was a lot of tweaks. And in many cases, it wasn't. But I just, um, I actually stopped doing it um, because I wasn't writing. And the big surprise was it wasn't profitable at all because (laughs) I was spending all my time um, managing the projects. And I realized that the most profitable use of my time is when I write because I write quite quickly and I charge a higher rate. So it was a big surprise for me, but I think I had to work through that process. Um, The good thing for me is I didn't actually go out going, all right, I'm looking for subcontractors. I actually had people approach me. And so it grew in this kind of nice organic way with people I'd built up a relationship with. And and with that, I'd said to people, okay, well, you know, um, this is how I work and this you get credit for the project and I won't be hiding your presence from clients and you'll get access to testimonials and all this kind of stuff because I wanted them to be treated the way I wanted to be treated as a subcontractor and that was very important to me. But, yeah. but then I gave it all up because I was like, this is not, this is not fun and it's not profitable. <laughs> Yeah, totally. I think we, yeah, we should we'll, we'll talk about the, the sort of benefits for the subcontractors sort of almost in the second half of, of this show. You know, like you said there about getting credit and stuff, and how you should do that, what you should expect as a subcontractor. I mean, my experience was very similar to yours. So, you know, again, it kind of happened organically. So people, I never thought I am now going to change my business and I'm now going to have a team and and I'm going to offer, you know. I'm going to grow my business. And it just people approached me and said, oh, do you do mentoring? Do you, you know, get interns? And I didn't like the idea of having unpaid interns. So I paid somebody who wanted to learn. And then that kind of became like subcontracting. Um, and I think that that was almost a mistake in a way because I didn't make a decision. Like if you make the decision, then it can be more practical. You can put plans in place and you can put measurements and metrics in place to see if it's working. When it happens organically, it's almost like you almost find yourself six months later with all these people working for you and go how did how did that happen you know this wasn't my plan Mm. which sounds like what happened to you um and you know I've done it several times with some great writers and and I've tried to sort of make it as uh, financially viable as possible um you know by which I mean I try and touch the copy as little as possible and you know just get it from the person give it a quick skim read send it to client and every time I've done that the client has hated the copy (laughs) 
Um, and I, I don't even know if the coffee was actually bad. It just, that seemed to be what happened. Every time I didn't spend time reviewing, editing, changing, it just got knocked back. And then I felt bad for the poor person who'd written it. And also I'm not that great at, you know, giving back feedback without worrying that I'm going to really upset the person. Yeah, me too. I was always like, oh, this <laughs> You is... know, when the client comes back and goes, yeah, I just hate it. And you're like, oh, God, now I have to tell someone else that. I can deal with that myself. But telling someone else that, especially someone who's at the start of their journey, it's really hard. And like you, I did even try and track it a little bit to see if it was profitable. And God, it, it just wasn't profitable. And I just... You know, by the, when I came, you know, you get paid, you get that big money, chunk of money, and then you give the chunk to the subcontractor. It still felt like a lot of money coming out of my account. And, you know, yeah, I totally agree. I write very quickly. I write. And so it's much better for me to just what I now change the way around is I write it. And then maybe I use other people to edit it and tidy it up. But I write really quickly. And that's the most profitable thing for me. So both of us didn't have good experiences, I'm afraid, people. Mm, uh, but it doesn't mean, like, it doesn't mean for me it's, it wasn't worthwhile. I feel, as I said, I feel like I had to go through that progression to go, oh, okay, no, I'm actually happiest on my own. Yeah, and I know a lot of copywriters um, who I speak to do subcontracts very well and, you know, they love that and they like the idea of growing bigger. I think as well, you know, my business was always Kate Toon copywriter, it still is, um, and therefore they were buying me. Um, and I didn't, it wasn't, I didn't have a company and I felt weird about saying, and actually I'm not writing it, I'm going to give it to someone else. And we'll talk a bit more about that, about that transparency in the next thing. And um, there's one more thing I wanted to say and I've kind of forgotten what it is. Oh, I guess I have been a subcontractor. So that's what we're going to talk about in the next half. So I've worked for other people. Um, we're going to talk about that a bit now, but my experience of that, you know, working with agencies a lot, and um, we think Belinda and I were chatting about this before the show that we think we might do a whole episode on how to work with designers, with agencies as a subcontractor, how to get that kind of work. Um, so that we might do that soon, eh, Belinda? Yes, absolutely, because I much preferred being a subcontractor than being the sub no what is it either being the subcontractee than being the subcontractor i like being the creature more than the master yes does that make sense um so let's flip over and talk about the creatures so let's talk about it from the person the point of view of the person who's doing the subcontracting so they're not the, the boss yeah we're getting the work yet. Yeah. Wow. This is so hard. Uh, so let's talk about some pros and the pros and cons. I'm going to do all the pros and Belinda's going to do all I'm the cons. I'm lumped with the negativity. Oh gosh. You're so positive. I'm usually the bleak one. So it's good that you get the bleak. Yeah. Um, so some of the pro, 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 pros are that there is no client liaison. Woohoo! You don't ever have to talk to the client. Um, and, you know, we've done so many episodes on difficult clients now. Um, we must just look like we loathe clients. We don't, of course. But, you know, dealing with clients takes up a lot of time, especially if they're chatty and they like to go through things in tiny detail and micromanage you. So you don't have to deal with the client. But I guess, you know, the truth is that the person you're working for is now your client. So that's kind of weird. But hopefully the person you're working for gets it a lot more than possibly the client will. So that can be one thing, that degree of separation between you and the end client. Another thing is budgets and timeline. Well, it's not your circus and they're not 
help your monkeys. So once you've you know agreed the budget and the timeline, if it goes over or whatever, that's not your problem. That's that's the person you're working for's problem to deal with. And I know that budgets and timelines freak a lot of people out. They really stress people out. So that might be something that, you know, it's joyful to get away from. You kind of a little bit got no responsibility and no worries. A little bit, depending on the type of person you are and depending on the transparency. So some people will employ you as a subcontractor, but they will not let the business know that they're using you if that makes sense. So some copywriters will ask you to write as if you are them and, and the client will have no idea that the, the copywriter hasn't actually written it themselves. Um, so that can be freeing. That can feel quite nice. But also there's obviously, unless you're a complete horrible individual, you're always going to worry about the quality of the work that you produce and your reputation and all that kind of stuff. But I guess there's less worries. And then finally, as we talked about, if you are, if you do work with big well-known copywriters or big brands or designers, you can get access to bigger brands or different brands or more well-known brands um, that you possibly couldn't get to work with on your own. And that can be pretty exciting. Again, has its pros and cons, but it can be pretty exciting to get that big brand logo on your website. And um, all that sounds very good, but I'm here with the <laughs> hard the truth. You're the, You're the doom monkey of the <laughs> And so, yeah, I, I, I even ha- like echo Kate's words, no client liaison, woohoo. But that means you do not get to ask clients questions that you want to and it can result in Chinese whispers. I always preferred getting access to the client, like it can – it can be a lot a lot less pressure generally being the subcontractor, but I found that I would get these half-filled briefs from agencies or graphic designers or web designers that didn't answer the questions that I felt I needed um, to write really great copy. So often I would find myself in a position of trying to convince the person giving me the job to give me access to the client. And I wouldn't always get access to the client, so I'd have to just kind of wing it based on what I had. So I actually think it can be a negative not to have contact with the client, but I will just agree with Kate there to say that no client liaison, like you don't have to manage the relationship. That is kind of cool. So, you know, I just want to quickly say if I was working as a subcontractor or I would be able and I wanted to talk to the client I might say something like oh I'm actually working with such and such on your copywriting because you don't want to confuse the client with different brands Um, if they've gone to say a web designer to get their website done and that web designer has hired you as a copywriter if you want to then talk to the client you have to be very careful about keeping that relationship harmonious for the person who's given you the job so there's just some trickiness around that client liaison. Um, The next one I thought of is, yes, you don't have to manage any budgets or timelines, uh, but because of that, you can get paid less. And you know what? I think this is actually fair enough because you didn't spend time marketing. You didn't spend time getting to know the client. You haven't managed any of their uh, quirks. I was just trying to think of a replacement word there quirks so you wouldn't charge necessarily your normal rate Um, and I think a commission is pretty normal to give to the subcontractor to reflect that maybe what 10 or 20 percent Kate would you say what do you mean that that you charge your rate and then the person adds on 10 or 20 percent well you could do it two ways you could either you could take a 20 percent hit on your rate and 
and give oh. and give the commission that reflects the work you haven't had to do. Yeah. Um, or you, and I know plenty of con- copywriters who do this, myself included, you'd say, well, this is my rate and you'd let the person giving you the job add any extras on top. So yeah, I think there's different ways of doing it. So I think, you know, when I was offering workout, I found it easier to just say, this is what I'm paying. This is what I'm paying for the job. This is what the job is. Do you want it? Do you not want it? And then not go into what I'm charging the client because really that's none of the subcontractors' business whatsoever. Yeah. And as a subcontractor charging, I would always kind of, yeah, I, I don't know. I've always just charged my normal rate. I've never taken anything off, which is why I didn't maybe get so much subcontracting work anymore. <laughs> maybe this is where I've been going wrong all these years. <laughs> but I know that in agencies, when I worked in an agency, and again, we can talk more about this on that episode, that they usually have a margin yeah so they have to have at least 30 percent on top of what you're charging them for it to be viable and often that can go up to as much as 60 percent so you know you're you're charging the agency 80 dollars an hour they're charging you out to the client at like 220 dollars an hour that's not on that's fairly standard yeah that's right and i think as you said it's kind of irrelevant what what the client rate is because as long as you're happy with what you're getting paid um then it's all good my experience was that i would have people say how much would you quote for this job just like any other client and so the web designer or the graphic designer or the agency they were my client yeah totally Um, I often found, uh, so when I was on either side, like that's one way of doing it. I just found going back into the boss rather than the creature, it's much easier, I think, for you to work out what the client will pay and then work out your margin and then just say to the subcontractor, this is what... I can afford to pay. I just, I think that takes the pressure off the subcontractor because everyone hates quoting. So yeah. anyway, either th- way, it's fine. I think that is a lot simpler. So listeners, listen to Kate. Um, <laughs> but the other, there are some other financial kind of downsides to this because you get longer payment cycles as a subcontractor. You're often at the mercy of the person who's given you the job of them getting paid or maybe they just like for agencies in particular, they say we have a 30 or 60 day payment cycle and that's just the way it is. So you have to factor that into your own cash flow. You have to ask questions about that. You have to be aware of it. And then you have to make sure you have a process around the client not paying, the end client. And we're going to cover this in the episode that we just made up about how to get work from these kind of people. But, you you know, what if the client doesn't pay the person who's given you the job? Do you still get paid? You have to make sure about that. Um, so, you know, these are this, there are financial downsides or at least considerations to being a subcontractor. And then your last one, Kate, was no responsibilities, no worries. And and as you said, you still care and you should. You're a professional. You're a professional copywriter. And, you know, you still have to put your best foot forward. But when you don't own the relationship, it is can be, it can be a lot more relaxing. Um, oh, and you mentioned big brands. And I think we've both had this experience, Kate, where big brands, exciting, but then they also can be very painful. Not yes. all they've cracked up to be. So we should talk about that one a bit more in that yeah. other episode. 
Oh my glob. I mean, seriously, they can be the worst. So I've got some great anecdotes, not just my own, but other people's that we can share on that episode. So, <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, look forward to that. Um, and we're going to finish up today's ex. So we've covered off the master and the creature and we've covered off the pros and the cons. And we're going to finish up with some common questions that we get asked. And some of these come from the community that I run, the clever copywriting community. But I, I'm sure that Belinda has asked about these things from her students on her masterclass course as well. So let's let's run through them. The first one is from Amanda Van Elderen, and she says, what, should you disclose you're using a subcontractor or not? I, I actually had it in my terms and conditions that basically said it is possible that I may have a subcontractor working on this and that's just the way it is. Um, so I had that as a kind of catch-all. Um, I didn't necessarily cl- disclose it to the client. Like I didn't ram it in their face. I might have talked about the team or the copywriter who wrote this. So I, I wouldn't hide it necessarily, but I didn't necessarily ram it in their face. I just brought it up if I felt it was relevant to what we were talking about. What about yeah. you? I think it's a totally it's totally up to you. It's you know it's your call. I don't think there's anything nefarious or evil about not disclosing. So you know there's nothing wrong with just using someone else to do a bit of the job and passing that work off as your own, especially if you're checking it and editing and proofing it because pretty much is your own by the time you've done all of that. So I think it's completely up to you. But I think by disclosing it don't think that that makes any different and that it's not still your responsibility. Don't think you can go, oh, my my copywriter, my sub-copywriter wrote this and that gets you off the hook somehow. So, I, you see what I mean? I think it's much absolutely. of a much. I absolutely agree because the client doesn't care. No, they don't care. <laughs> No, and I was all you know. I've always been very much of the thing of I don't have minions, I don't um, have subcontractors. So it'd be pretty hard for me to then go, oh, my team wrote it. And so I kind of emotionally got over that fact by sort of getting. I've only ever kind of used copywriters to do bits of jobs, never the whole job. Um, anyway, and as I said, it didn't work for me, so I didn't do it very often. Okay, the next question's from Kylie Singh. And she says, if you are the subcontracting person or creature, as we have now named it, (laughs) can you still ask the client for a testimonial or use their logo on your website? Well, again, it's up to you and the person you're subcontracting to. If you've got an agreement, it should say at the start whether you can or not and it's a really important question to ask you know are because a you could get a testimonial from the master you're the person you're working for or the end client so you might only get you might get both you might get one or you might get neither especially if the person is not admitting to using you so you know that's so important to ask that and often if you work with big agencies as well they won't let you use the logo of the big brand on your site because you know that you've signed an NDA or they just don't want you to illustrate that so again you can ask and it's definitely something you should agree before you start working because you know often as we've talked about the joy of working on big brands is the logo so if you do the whole which has happened to me like I did is fabulous job for this you know one of the biggest hotel chains in the world wrote oodles of copy was so proud of it and at the end of it they said i'm sorry can't give you a testimonial and we can't you can't use the logo oh and you know i, I to be honest i only did it for the logo yeah just, i would be stung. and i was gutted so you know you live and learn 
I would be stung by that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree with you, Kate. Like, it's it's all about the relationship. I don't think you should ever go outside the relationship and go directly to the client and just, like, say, oh, I was the person who actually wrote the copy. Can oh. I have a testimonial? So, that would no. never, never, never do that. But... I think when you foster a good relationship with a person who's giving you work, then that's definitely possible and there's no shame in going, hey, I would like to grab a, a copy of the testimonial you get or I would like to get a testimonial and I would like to include this in my portfolio. One thing I asked my subcontractors to do if they did that because I felt it was important that they got to show off the copy that they had actually written, I asked them to do something like say, um, this project was done in conjunction with Copyright Matters and include a link to me. Yes, that's a great idea. So that's just acknowledge the relationship, but still yeah. take ownership of the copy. Yeah, fantastic. Um, okay, the next question kind of follows on from that. It's from Bill Harper um, from Sharper Copy. And he says, um, I have a person who often subcontracts for me to write blog posts for a few businesses. Can I say I write for those businesses in my portfolio? Or can I only say I wrote for the person subcontracting me? So again, it's getting confusing here, but... Bill is the creature writing for somebody else. Can he use that work in his portfolio? Again, it's it's up to you and the person you're working for. You have to ask them and you have to ask them up front before you do the work. Um, but I, I'd say you can't use it in your portfolio without their permission. No, that's what I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And as I said, you can always do a thing like if you get permission, you can still give some goodwill back to the relationship by acknowledging it in the portfolio. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, next question is from another one from Amanda Van Eldren. And she says, what level of revision do you do before sending on? And are you ultimately kind of doing the job twice? I'm going to let you answer this one, Belinda. Yeah, this is a tricky one. And it really, I'm assuming this is the, the person, you're the person managing the relationship. So how, yeah. many, how many revisions do you do before you pass it on to the client? And, you know, we talked about quality control. And it's it's really important. We talked about the client actually doesn't care who wrote the copy because they've come to you for the piece. So in my experience, what I would do is I would always make sure I was happy enough with the copy that I didn't mind it being confused as mine. Yes, that's a lovely way of putting it. And, you know, and that wasn't about taking the glory. It was just making sure that the quality remained high because they were still getting charged my rate. So sometimes that meant doing a lot of revisions. And sometimes it meant not doing many at all. And this is when, if you have to do a lot of revisions, subcontracting is not profitable. And but, but this is where building a relationship with the people you have as writers is really important, so that you're reducing the amount of work you have to do. Yeah. So, example, I recently did uh, some. I got somebody to subcontract uh, blog. I they subcontract or subcontract They wrote a blog for me. <laughs> Um, and the first time it was just, it took hours you know because I have a very specific way of writing it had to be SEO optimized I have a template yada yada the next and that took a long time the next one I didn't even have to change a word you know so perfect, that was perfect. um so yeah that was a good experience but I, I would say I'm oh, sorry I would just jump in here and say you shouldn't be embarrassed about having to do revisions this no. is just part of the it can be just part of the process 
but it can feel awkward. It can and like, feel awkward. You know, when, and also, you know, you send that back to the person who's written it with all your changes on and it can be like, you know, I've had someone like ring up and be like, I'm crushed. There were so many changes. And it's like, oh, sorry, dude. Um, you know, and often I think it, subcontracting, we haven't touched on this and we probably should have done. It, it, as the person who is the creature, gosh, it's a good way to learn. I wish yeah. I'd been able to do more subcontracting with good copywriters. Often the subcontracting I've been doing has been, you know, the work has gone to an account manager. And I'm not saying that account managers are bad, but they don't understand copywriting necessarily. Um, and it's the criticism that makes you a better writer. Uh, so if you can get to subcontract for a really good writer, wow, you can, it's like getting free training. It's like being mentored. Yeah. Um, One of the things know, I used to do is when I, when I, if I did a lot of revision work, um, to, to kind of break the, the crushing, like, like I'm yes. giving you back your copy with a lot of changes made, I would actually spend some time on the phone with them going, I just want to walk you through what I changed and why yeah, so I changed fine. it. Uh, and I love this bit. You know, at least pick one word out that you yeah, love. this bit was perfect. This one word. <laughs> was perfect. <laughs> so to finish off today, do we think subcontracting is a good idea? Look, uh, I think it's a great thing to be the person who is the creature, who is writing for other people. I think you learn a lot. It is a lot less pressure. It's it's a good way of getting money in um, and you do get big brands. As a person managing the people, uh, I didn't enjoy that experience. It wasn't what I want to do because I've I'd spent 17 years in agencies being that person and I never really want to be responsible for other humans in that way, even though they weren't fully employed by me I just it wasn't for me but could it be for you yeah it could totally be for you what do you think Belinda um yeah I I agree I think the question you need to ask yourself is do I the one you posed at the beginning Kate do I want to be that person do I want to be the project manager the account manager um the person who's really hands-off but also very hands-on and not the writer because if you want to be the writer then being hand you know developing your business to hire a team is not the right decision so you have to figure out do you want to be just the writer or do you want to be the manager and if you want to be one or the other then that kind of answers the question for you but it whether it's profitable or not I think that's kind of no it's not. It's not. <laughs> well, maybe we're just really bad financial. Maybe money. we are. Other people are making oodles of cash, and we were just rubbish at it. But hey, there you go. So that's subcontracting. Really interested to know your opinions. So please head to the Hot Copy Podcast website or our Facebook page or Twitter. We're everywhere, and and tell us if you've been the creature or the master. I hate that expression. I'm kind of attached to it now. But what was your experience? Did you enjoy it? Do you have any tips? we love all that stuff we read everything we get sent and we really do appreciate it so please please uh do that that'd be great um and how about we end the show with a shout out to one of our lovely listeners and today it's larry e5012 and i think i know who you are larry despite your secretive little username thank you for all your support and larry says it's an interesting enjoyable informative and lots of fun these two lovely ladies truly know their copywriting and share their skills tips hacks and tricks with you very well done Kate and belinda oh thanks larry nice. yeah. thanks larry um and if you thank you for listening if you do enjoy the 
show don't forget to subscribe and also leave us a rating and review on itunes and stitcher and uh, reviews are super helpful they help other people find us and we'll also give you a shout out on the show and as i said you can also head to the hotcopypodcast.com to see some of the links that we mentioned in the pod and leave your comments on the blog post for this episode and we're done thanks belinda thank you kate until next time happy writing So you're still listening? Great. Because I wanted to tell you about my new podcast, The Recipe for SEO Success Show. Sadly, this one's just me, Kate Toon, but it is packed full of useful, practical, doable SEO tips and advice. You can find it in the iTunes store, on Stitcher and SoundCloud. Just search for The Recipe for SEO Success Show. good stuff in there and there's a really good episode of that revisionist history about the creative process and whether you're a Picasso creative or a Cezanne and it made me think that you are a Cezanne and I am a Picasso you'll have to listen to work out what I'm oh I love that yeah hopefully hopefully that will be why we complement each other so well right I think it absolutely is